Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 157 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me. Before I get to our guest for this episode, it's with deep, deep sadness that I acknowledge the passing of Sarah DeBoard. I met Sarah at one of the Colorectal Cancer Alliance conferences, I believe it was in 2015 in Phoenix. And I admire her, her drive, her tenacity for trying to make a difference in the colon cancer community with a particular focus on early onset. She was a tremendous supporter of the We Have Cancer podcast and was instrumental in our partnership with the Colon Cancer Foundation, the organization where she worked. Sarah was the first person I called when my recurrence happened early this year, 2020, when I was struggling to figure out treatment options and it was helpful. She she pointed me in the right direction and more importantly told me the route that she thought I should not take. And Sarah's the 11th guest of the podcast that has passed away. And I think it's just important that we acknowledge the tremendous work that she did and that just to know that there's so many people that she touched, uh, friends, friends, closer friends than she and I were, to be, be honest, that she left an indelible mark on their hearts. My heart goes out to her friends and family, and I hope and pray that her memory will be a blessing to all who knew and loved Sarah. My guest this week is Dr. Dana Cardenas. Dana is a stage 3C colon cancer survivor. She was first diagnosed early in 2018, also found out that she has Lynch syndrome. And during our conversation, she shared the, what I'm going to say is fascinating, and maybe that's not the best word, but it's the best word I can come up with, story on how she came to be diagnosed and the incredible work that she is partnering on to help those of us who've been touched by peripheral neuropathy, which is a common side effect of many chemotherapies, including oxaliplatin, which was one of the drugs that I was on when I was first learned of my recurrence back in 2013. She's doing some incredible work, and she talks about it during our interview. Join me now for my conversation with Dana Cardenas. 
Dana, welcome to We Have Cancer. I am thrilled to have you on here, and I appreciate you reaching out to me. We were talking before we hit record, and I asked you how you found me, and you said people were talking about me. So I got a little paranoid, but then you said they said nice things. So <laughs> they did thank you say for that. Nice <laughs> yes, I'm excited to be here. You know, well, you sent me your bio, and you know, I did a little bit of research on you. And the first thing that caught my eye, and I want you to explain it is you said you were diagnosed with stage three colon cancer and Lynch syndrome in 2018. But then I flipped to the second page and I see that you retired from your podiatry practice due to neuropathy in 2016. Yeah. And I'm like, wait a minute, how did you get neuropathy right. before you went on chemo? Right. So Tell us, yeah. how does that happen? So in tw- I had a thriving practice. I loved it. I was was really, really good at it, to be honest. Um, had patients that, you know, would fly in from not just local patients, but they would fly in from all of the country. I even had one as far as from uh, Saudi Arabia and Dubai. I mean, it was just, I just had a lot of fun in practice. But at the end of 2017, I thought I had carpal tunnel syndrome, which uh, I'm sorry, 2015, rather, I thought I had carpal tunnel syndrome, which is not uncommon. I mean, you use small instruments, dentists get it all the time, podiatry, we get it all the time. And I thought, well, I'll just go, you know, maybe have an injection, get some therapy, it'll be great. And my doc said, you know, let's just double check, make sure that's what you have before we start jumping into stuff. So I had to have that fabulous nerve conduction study test. And that's always fun. And they said, no, you don't have carpal tunnel syndrome. You have ulnar neuropathy, which is the, the compression of the nerve just underneath the elbow. So I was like, all right, well, what do we need to do for it? And she said, well, let's do if we need to do a few more tests. And she she was really nice. The neurologist that I saw, she was a friend of mine, but she I knew she was telling me something big. I just didn't know what it meant at the time. And she said, I just need you to slow down on your practice a bit. Let's get a few more tests done and see what's all going on. So we did some blood work and she did a few more tests. And six weeks later, she said, Dana, you're done practicing. And my ulnar neuropathy was so severe that it had taken the tiny muscles in my hand and atrophied them to the point where, and I hadn't noticed it, it happened so fast, but they had atrophied to where they were just barely there underneath my thumb and underneath my pinky finger. And when she had me do some simple tests, I was like, well, well, that was silly. How come, you know, I can't do that? And she's like, well, that's, that's your ulnar neuropathy. I mean, I could not even prevent her from squeezing my fingers together. I couldn't make a tight fist. I mean, there was a lot of things I couldn't do. So I said, well, all right, I I guess this means my universe is telling me it's time to do something different. So I retired from podiatry practice at an early age of 44 and said, all right, time to move on to something else. And so I, you know, did a few things here and there to try to figure out what was going to happen next in life. And then at the end of 2017, started having pain in my right lower quadrant and nothing severe. Just it was sometime around Thanksgiving. And I was like, ah, this is just, it's an ache. It's uncomfortable. And then I started getting bloating, but the bloating wouldn't go away. And I was doing everything I could think of, Tums, 
GASX, you name it. I was, you know, I figured it had to do with my chronic acid reflux. And, you know, this was just another GI upset. And, you know, I ate something weird and it was stuck, even though I know that's not going to happen. It, that's <laughs> what my brain came up with. And yeah. so I finally, January 9th, went to see a GI doc. And he said, you know what? I think it's your acid reflux too. Let's get a, a an upper and a lower endoscopy and see what's going on. It's like, okay. So January 11th, I had an upper endoscopy and a colonoscopy. And colonoscopy showed I had a mass so large in my ascending colon that he couldn't pass the scope past it. And so guess what? You have cancer. And that was like, whoa, wait a minute. What do you mean? Well, fast forward to post-surgery, I'm sitting with my oncologist and we're talking about treatments and the options. And she's a friend of mine too as well. I got lucky because I knew everybody I was going to see. I handpicked them. They were all friends. And so she said, Dana, she said, full fox is tough, but we're going to do it for as long as you can tolerate, but I will not let you do it to the point of you not being able to walk, talk, that kind of stuff. I was like, okay, I'm in. So for our listeners, that comes from the the ox in full fox, yes. uh, the oxaliplatin. The devil, we call it. To, <laughs> which is known to cause neuropathy. Yes. So we were talking about that side effect, and I said, yeah, I said, well, do you think it's going to be an issue since I already have neuropathy? And she said, well, let's talk about that more. And the more we started to piece together the puzzle of strange things that had happened to me within the past two years, she determined that I had what's called perineoplastic syndrome. And that is where my cancer that I didn't know I had caused my neuropathy. And so from that point, we had a very serious discussion about me getting oxaliplatin. What was the concern? The concern was that it was going to drastically affect my nerve function much faster than it would, let's say, someone else that has never had a neuropathy or nerve insult before. And so that I would not be able to make the, at her goal was 10 full fox. She didn't think I would make it to 10, but her her goal or her hope was that I would make it to 10. And I made it through two. Go me. <laughs> because it was it was tough stuff, Lee. You know. Yeah, but I don't know the way you know what ha what happened. So for me, uh, they prescribed, and this was my first metastasis of many, many seven years ago. When it spread to my liver, they said twelve rounds of full fox, and we'd like you to that to include at least nine of the oxaliplatin, and I made it to nine, and that was as far as I could go, and my oncologist was fine, and we just wrapped up the last last three without the oxaliplatin. Yeah. You only got to two, why? Yeah, so the first one, first infusion I had post, I was probably three or four days afterwards, my thumbs and my index fingers started locking up, and then a few days after, oh, maybe I think it was about two or three days after that, my jaws started kind of locking up, not to the point that I couldn't move them, but you could just feel that tightness in that like that 
it was almost like they were there was something else taking over your body and preventing you from moving these parts. And so after the first one, she said, you know what? Maybe let's try something different and do an every other one concept. So I had that first full Fox treatment. My second infusion was just the 5-FU. And then my second or my let's say third infusion was my second full fox. And that night after that infusion, you know, I always came home and took a nap. I mean, that, that it was just draining to go through that. So, I, oh yeah, I, me too. Right. So <laughs> yeah. I wake up and I come out of the bedroom. Well, I, when I woke up, I knew something was right. And I w- woke up thinking, have I had a stroke? And I know in my head, like I'm cognitive to the point of, I know like some checkpoints to go through and I'm like, I'm breathing. I, I'm, think, I'm clearly thinking fine. I can move body parts with no problem. But if you looked at me, it looked like I had a stroke because my, my right arm was kind of stuck in a, a contracted position at the elbow with my hand kind of stuck down underneath me. My walk was so far out that I was like walking like a toddler, so to speak. And my speech was so slurred that you couldn't understand me. So what did you do? ER, here we come. Mm, <laughs> so yeah. they, they did all the necessary tests and it, it wasn't, you know, my, everything came back normal, but it, and it took about, you know, 12 hours for that just to dissipate. And the next morning I was feeling my normal yucko self after oxy, but not that that contracted state. And so from that point, um, my oncologist pulled the plug and said, no more oxy for you. So we switched to full fury at that point. So let's fast forward today. Yeah. How's your health? My, my health is great. I mean, I feel good. I, I, I did not know how sick I was when I had cancer, which is amazing. I feel great now. But I still have this, you know, wonderful side effect of neuropathy. And so I've learned how to manage my neuropathy for me and how to improve it for me. And so one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you today was how to help others, uh, because I realized that I'm on this planet to help other cancer patients deal with that neuropathy. Before we go there, yeah, when you stop and think about, you had a lot happen to you in two years. Mm-hmm. A lot. A lot. I mean, and you, you know, and maybe, it's, you know, you know, time can be healing. But what was that like, Dana, to be told your wildly successful practice is going to end now? How did you deal with that? How did you process that? I, some people... I kept saying, I, you know, are you, are you sad? Are you, you know, can you believe you worked so hard? You went to medical school for so long. You, you know, you built this great practice. And, and I was a partner in a practice. So I was lucky in the fact that I did not have to close shop, so to speak. And, you know, that was it. I was able to transfer those patients to my other partners. I, I don't know. There was something in me that said it was time to do something else. I didn't know what it was, but I am one of those people that I understand and accept that if I hear something happening in my head and in my heart, then it's time to move on. And so I knew it was time to move on. 
and that was okay. Do you consider yourself to be spiritual in, I, in any way? I do. I do. I was raised to be Southern Baptist, to, to be honest. I mean, I'm not that anymore. And, and, there, and there's no... There's no downplay on that at all. It's I believe in a a higher being of God, and I believe in a universe that surrounds me, and that universe that he or she has created for me feeds me energy, and then I can then in turn turn that energy and and push it to wherever I need that energy to be, whether that be loved ones or myself sometimes going through cancer i i pulled everybody else's universe's energy basically so that i could get through it so that's how i look at it I, and i can i mean i'm very much a pisces so i'm touchy feely but i can i can feel my universe literally feel my universe and so uh, that's how i function that, that you just answered the question i was going to ask is that what help, has helped you get through oh yeah so the one, and this is strictly out of curiosity, what attracted you to podiatry? <laughs> Everybody used to ask me that. When I was in practice, they would be like, oh, feet are so gross. How could you do Like, how could you deal with feet? I'm like, they're awesome. I mean, think about it. If you have two of them, you can do great things. You're greatly hindered when you start reducing the number of feet you have, you know? So, <laughs> and they're, they're amazing mechanical wonders of what they can do. And so um, I just, I, I happened to work in a podiatry office when I was an undergrad and fell in love with it and decided that was what I was going to do. It was, it was amazing. Terrific. Yeah. I wanted to take a minute to recommend a new podcast to you, and that is the Man Up to Cancer podcast hosted by Trevor Maxwell. Trevor was a guest on the We Have Cancer podcast back episode 147, and Man Up to Cancer is this concept that he, along with Joe Bullock, uh, came up with as a way to provide support for men and those who are caring for men touched by cancer. And I want to first congratulate Trevor on launching this new podcast as part of Under the Man Up to Cancer umbrella. If you are a guy who is dealing with cancer or you're caring for someone that would fall under that Man Up to Cancer umbrella, please check out the Man Up to Cancer podcast. You can find it on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your audio, or on the actual podcast website, which is manuptocancer.captivate.fm. So where has your energy guided you today? So my energy really has pushed me to help other cancer patients in managing their neuropathy and hopefully preventing it for some patients um, because we're getting to the point where there are there are few things out there that study-wise are showing promise for preventing chemotherapy neuropathy, but there's also some just a wildly crazy idea of icing during your infusions, which was never heard of when you and I went through it. But now, our patients who are actively getting full Fox 
infusions are now icing through their treatments and they're noticing they don't have the cold sensitivity that you and I had going through it. But post chemo, they're finding that their neuropathy isn't quite as bad as what it could have been or what you and I have experienced. And so that's exciting. I mean, honestly, just to be able to prevent it. But when, so what does that look like when you say icing? Yeah. Are we sticking so, our hands and feet in baths of ice? It could be that simple, but let's take it to an even easier way, ice packs. So starting to put ice packs on your hands and your feet and chewing on ice 10 minutes before your oxy infusion starts has made a tremendous difference in the quality of life in some of these patients as they go through full fox. They're they're not getting that cold sensitivity when they swallow that glass of that shards of glass feeling when you swallow. Oh, I mean that was horrible. It was horrible. But that cold sensitivity to touch something out of the fridge or grab just grab a glass of water out of the refrigerator or cold water out of the sink. They're not getting that as much. I mean it's drastically reduced if if completely gone. And then the nervy, tingly stuff is not happening until maybe round 10, round 11, round 12, which means post-chemo in what we call the coasting time frame, after chemo, when normally full fox gets, gets worse, meaning it attacks our nerves even after we're done with it, and that neuropathy gets worse and worse and worse for you know six months to a year after, these, these patients aren't getting that. They're having a little bit, but then it's coming right back down to normal very quickly. And that's exciting stuff. Really is. Where was this discovered? Do you know? So it started with a paper that was published last summer. And it came from the fact that the, they were looking at how to reduce mucosal sores. So mouse sores. And so they had patients chew on ice. Those patients also reported that they had less cold sensitivity. So it was like, huh, how about that? Well, then we started doing a little bit more research, found another paper that had also talked about icing, but it was icing the hands and the feet. But it was an anecdotal kind of review paper and it, did, it didn't just didn't get any momentum out of it like the mucosal sore one did. So in Colentown, I admin a group called Livewire, and I started that in 2018 when I was diagnosed, when I saw all the posts about, you know, how do I treat my neuropathy? I've got this, I've got that with neuropathy, and there was so little response or help for everyone that was posting, and I was, in my head, I'm like, well, why don't you try this? Why don't you try that? Well, how about this? Well, how about that? And I realized I had that information, but the average person doesn't. And so I started Livewire to help the people that are in Cola Town with their neuropathy. And, and it's it's been hugely successful. We have 900 members in that group now. And we are, uh, we're talking everything, but the icing concept some of the people in that group just said, hey, I'm going to try this. And they they did all kinds of things from ice baths to popsicles to, I mean, you name it, people have tried it all. And we've kind of come up with a, a little protocol 
that we share with other Colatown patients that they can give to their oncologist that shows them, hey, here are the studies of why we're doing this and why we want to try it. And here's a sample protocol. None of this stuff has been studied, although myself and four other members just got an ASCO abstract published, which was exciting. And ASCO is the American Society of Clinical Oncologists. And so the the abstract is out there. We just didn't get to publish the paper with COVID happening. I see. So we're trying to get the research going for that. Where can people, how, if people who are interested in joining Livewire in Colon Town, how, how can they do that? So if you go to Facebook and go to Colon Town Here For You, then you'll join Colon Town first. And then from there, you will get to, you'll be introduced to all of us that are admin, but you can just request and tell them, hey, I've got neuropathy and I need help. And you'll, you'll, we'll get you in that group ASAP. You said that shards of glass. I was getting my treatments over the summer and I was walking around and walked past the coffee shop and I see one of these like Slurpee machines, <laughs> only it's got the, the the coffee mocha thing going. And I'm like, and it was like 95 degrees out. And I was like, that looks great. And I go and order one. It was like six bucks totally forgetting that I had chemo four days before. And I'm like, this looks like I go take a sip and I went, Oh, crap. (laughs) And I'm trying to like babysit it because I spent $7 on this drink and why right? throwing it away. Right? Oh, <laughs> I was horrible. like, oh man. I remember that that second Fox treatment getting into the car afterwards and it was it was hot. So we had the air condition on and I got in the truck and we cranked the AC and I was like, oh my God, what is happening? And I covered my mouth quickly because it instantly was like glass. Like I was breathing mm. glass. Oh, it's horrible. Why does neuropathy seem to manifest itself so much stronger at the end of treatment? That's what happened to me. Yeah. Once treatment was over, it got so much worse. And for six months, my wife had to help me button like my shirts. Yeah. And then it just gradually, gradually improved for me. Fortunately, I have no residual effects. Yeah. But not everybody's so fortunate. No. So what happens with Sally Platten is that it's attacking the way that the nerve conducts potassium, calcium, chloride, that kind of stuff. And it prevents those channels from working properly. Well, when that happens, uh, excuse me, and you've had a continual dose of it over, you know, every other week for let's say 9, 10, 12. Some people are getting, you know, 25, 48 doses of this stuff. It, it prevents that, that, um, that channel from working correctly. That channel is what helps send the signal up the nerve properly from, let's say, the tips of your fingers to your brain. So if anything interrupts that wavelength, so to speak, I call it, it's basically electricity. That's how I think about it. If anything interrupts that electricity line, well, then what your brain perceives and what's actually happening may be two different things. And so what happens with oxaliplatin is that when you're done with chemo, well, those channels have to heal but they're not, they're not going to heal overnight. So basically, it, there is a, a time of 
nerve death that happens where the the tips the ends of the nerves which is at your fingers your hands your toes and your feet those nerves basically kind of thin out and die off and then your body has to heal from top down so they've got to heal from the knee to the ankle to the foot to the toe and that is an incredibly slow process so that's why you feel worse with your neuropathy for a period of time after you've had your chemo because your body's got to be able to heal it and if your body can't heal it completely well then you're left with a certain residual amount of neuropathy so when I went through Soliplatin in 2013, there was talk, try, and I don't remember which ones it were, various supplements, mm -hmm. try acupuncture. Mm -hmm. What are the thoughts on those today? Has that changed? No. In fact, those things are still there. They didn't work for me. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> the thing about any of them, any of those things, supplements, acupuncture, low-level light therapy, topical tinctures, anything like that, there has to be a combination therapy to it. Meaning, if you're going to try acupuncture, you've got to combine that with some sort of supplement as well. You can't, one cannot do it alone. You have to combine things together. The best thing that we've noticed is that patients who are taking vitamin B complex, they do okay, but when they switch it to B12 by itself, they do much better. And B12 sublingual, not B12 tablet, because the body does not absorb a tablet in B12 form as well as it does the sublingual that goes directly to this, the blood system. So those are the things that, that we've learned in this group and we're discussing and trying to help patients with. So let's say you're combining, you've got your B12 going, awesome, and you're doing acupuncture, all right, we're gonna add one more thing in there and that is nerve glide exercises. And that's something that you can do every day at home as many times as you want to by watching a YouTube video and it's literally that easy. So the, the things that, that are out there and available to help patients doesn't necessarily require you to go to acupuncture or, you know, get a prescription from your doctor, which is nice. So Dana is going to share the link to that YouTube video, and I'm going to post it as part of the show notes for, for this episode on the wehavecancershow.com website. So you can check that out and learn more about that. Where where do you see yourself going from here, Dana? Where's your energy do you think guiding you? And I love that. That's why I keep repeating it because I, I believe we have similar beliefs there. Yay. Uh, we shouldn't ignore the messages no. that are that are showing up in front of us. Where do you where do you see this going? So I started this this concept of helping neuropathy patients in colon town with colorectal patients, colorectal cancer patients. But since then, I've had so many, well, I'm going to say this, unfortunately, had so many friends diagnosed with different kinds of cancers. And I've reached out to every one of them and said, all right, if you get this type of chemo drug, do these things to help 
prevent or hopefully manage neuropathy that you might get. And so they've all come back and said, that was so helpful. And my doctor didn't tell me any of that stuff. And I reminded them our oncologists are there to keep us alive, not necessarily there to prevent us from having every side effect on the planet. And that's just not the case. And so I feel my energy is pushing me to be that other doctor in their space that is saying, okay, it's okay to try X, Y, Z for your neuropathy, whether you have esophageal cancer, pancreatic cancer, lung cancer, any type of cancer. I want to help everyone who has to go through any kind of chemotherapy-induced neuropathy. I want to help them lead the quality of life that I have right now, which honestly is awesome. So that being said, and you went through that list quickly, you know, we've kind of focused because you and I are both colon cancer Mm -hmm. survivors, but this is the We Have Cancer show. It used to be the colon cancer (laughs) podcast. So that being said, what, uh, what other types of cancer does the chemotherapy protocol include drugs that can cause neuropathy? Breast cancer is number one. Taxol. It is, it, it is the sister to oxaliplatin. And so it is, it is their devil, so to speak. And so it's the number one for sure. Pancreatic cancer, they go through the same thing. And then there are a few other cancers out there that get oxaliplatin. So it's not just colorectal cancer. So my main focus obviously is for those patients that have to go through a cancer chemo cocktail that would end up giving them neuropathy. But the reality is any chemo can give us a neuropathy if it decides to affect our nerves. And that's an individual concept. And so it doesn't necessarily mean that, well, I got this drug, so I should not get neuropathy. That's not really the case because I always looked at chemo as being, you know, us being in our own personal clinical trials. And if it is going to work for us, great. But me individually, what's it going to do to my body in the process? And so I, I look at it that way. It's, you know, any, any of them can have the potential of doing it, even though the trials and the recorded research says it won't, does it mean that it actually doesn't? If that makes That's sense. Totally. That, and you, thank you for teaching me. That's information I did not have. So, you know, that's really interesting and, and really appreciate you sharing that. Dana, this has been a terrific conversation. You've provided so much helpful advice and guidance. I've got to post the links to all the things we talked about awesome. in Thank the you. We Have Cancer show notes for today's episode uh, uh, with uh, Dana. And I just truly appreciate the generosity of your time. I'm celebrating your your NED. Yes. Uh, which I get to say too, which I've Woo-hoo! been waiting to say for so many years. <laughs> uh, let's see how long. For me, I, ha- I have to qualify with that with 
We'll see how long it lasts. Hopefully forever. Mm-hmm. But that's right. That's uh, right. Cautiously optimistic. Always. It's based on Always. based on history. Uh, nine years in, but this you really have provided a terrific, for lack of a better word, service to our audience with this information that you've shared, and and I truly uh, appreciate it. Well, I'm I'm like I said, I'm excited to be here. I was very excited to do this, and I just I if I help one person not go through what I did after two rounds of oxy, man, job done. But I'm hoping it hits millions. That's my goal. Well, we're gonna do what we can to help you get there. Awesome, Lee. <laughs> Thanks. All the best to you. You too. Have a great night. Many nonprofit organizations are struggling with fundraising at this time because of quarantine. You know, many of these organizations rely on events, whether they're dinners or 5K runs and walks and these things. And the Colon Cancer Coalition is no different. So I hope you will join me. I donated to them, and I hope that you will do the same by visiting the coloncancercoalition.org forward slash events and find a virtual event and help support this wonderful organization that is working so hard to eliminate colon cancer as one of the leading causes of death in this country. I've supported them. I hope you'll join me in doing the same. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.